A lot of us have projects we're working on. Sometimes those projects are laid out on a workbench, in the basement, or the garage. Well, Trent Griffith says we're in good company. Do you know that God has a workbench? Guess who is on the workbench? You are. He started this project on the day you were saved. And once you were saved, you became his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, not only to be worked upon, but to be worked through. God works for me, God works on me, and God works through me. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Well, last week on this program, we heard the best news ever, the most amazing contrast, and it's found in the Bible. It's the idea that we Christians at one time were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. Pastor Trent said that all of us should have a but God story. So let's listen to some highlights from last week just to set the context, and then we'll hear the conclusion of this message, breathtaking by the depths of God's grace. And just so you know, you'll hear some references to some movies in the theaters at the time that this was recorded in 2016. Here's Pastor Trent. Well, I've got three pieces of good news for you here this morning. Here's the first of those. We were dead in sin, but God makes us alive with Christ. I want you to get your eyes on the page. Look at the first two words of verse four. These two words are the words that the entire Bible hinges upon. But God. The entire story of the Bible hinges on these two words, but God, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. Those two words, but God, but is a conjunction in the English language. Am I right? Am I remembering correctly back to fifth grade? Is that a conjunction? Correct. And uh, I would call that the divine conjunction. Until you have a story that includes those two words, you have not yet been saved. Do you know the story of Hacksaw Ridge? It's a true story of a World War II soldier named Desmond T. Doss. They actually sent him to the front lines in Okinawa, and as a medical technician there, without firing a shot and without ever holding a weapon, he saved 75 men in the face of enemy fire rushing into the place of death and snatching those that otherwise would have been lost forever, Desmond rescued those men. Those men, 75 of them, were saved 
because someone loved them enough and at the risk of his own life went into the enemy fire and snatched them from death. When we use the word saved, that's what has happened to each one of us. Do you have a but God story? If you don't have a but God story, you do not have salvation. And this morning, you need to be saved. And if you are dead, you need a but God story to make you alive with Christ. You interested in that? It's like, well, how do I do that? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. We have another point in the message. What is sin? We talked about this last week. It's, it's awful. It's crossing the line. It's missing the mark, but it's more than that. It's hating the line. It's despising the mark. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to play within God's rules. I want to step outside the boundaries. Sin kills. Sin invites God's wrath. Sin is, it infects everybody. But here's what we need to know. We want to earn salvation through work, but God wants to give salvation through faith. Look at it here in verse eight. He says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not on your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. As I tell you my but God story, any genuine believer, any genuine Christian, if somehow he shares his story that he finally got good enough that he attracted God's favor and, and boy, we, heaven would just be such a better place if you were here. You know, you kind of hear those things at funerals and stuff and you try to rationalize why God would take somebody home. It's like, well, I guess God just needed him in heaven. No. Matter of fact, God doesn't need anything, but God wants to display his glory as a gracious God by redeeming and saving somebody as rotten and dirty as you and me. That's the story of God's grace. And yet somehow we think if I could just do enough and if I could just kind of improve myself, then somehow I'd attract God's attention, right? No, that is a works-based or a performance-based view of salvation. It is the opposite of a grace-based view of salvation. And here we can contrast a little bit in these ways. Think about it this way. In a performance-based view of salvation, we understand sin as simply bad behavior, things I do. But in a grace-based salvation, we understand sin as a heart issue. It goes so much deeper than the surface. I don't just sin, I am a sinner. It's what I do because it's who I am. And until God gives me a but God story and changes my identity, I have no hope of stopping bad behavior. A performance-based salvation thinks this way. It believes sin's solution is by trying harder. But a grace-based salvation believes that sin's solution is a change of heart. It's nothing I can do from the outside in. It's something that has to be changed from the inside out. I need a rescuer. I need a savior to come to where I am and change me from the inside out. Out. 
A performance-based salvation starts your day promising to God that you'll do better. You ever do that? God, I know I'm so ashamed of the way I, I'm so ashamed of those words that came out of my mouth. I, I, I know you saw what I, the thoughts that went through my head. And I know you saw the attempt to kill my boss today. And, and Lord, I, I thank you for saving him. Now, uh, God, I promise, I promise I won't try to kill him today. That's a performance-based salvation. God, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do better. You ever do that? even those of you that have been saved, if you're not careful, you'll revert into a performance-based salvation as you work out your salvation. But a grace-based salvation starts the day with a plea for help. God, you know that if you don't send me some of your grace, I'm gonna be successful today in killing my boss because there's nothing good in me that's gonna change me from the way I was yesterday. God, I need you to restrain me. I need you to redirect my appetites. God, I need you to change me from the inside out. That's what a grace-based salvation does. It starts the day with a plea for help. God, you've got to do it, I can't. In a performance-based salvation, it it attempts self-rescue through personal strength and increased discipline. I know what I'll do. I'll get an accountability partner. I'll I'll read a a, a book on how not to sin. That's what I'll do. I'll I'll create five boundaries here and I'll, I'll create all these external boundaries so that I can't sin anymore. That is personal strength. That is self discipline. And that'll take you about three hours to fail because it's relying upon yourself. And what you need to rely upon is something outside yourself. Grace-based salvation abandons self. It admits weakness and cries out to Christ for rescue. Do you know why the people in this room that still are dead are not saved? It's because you haven't come yet to the end of yourself where you are willing to admit you are a miserable failure doomed under the righteous wrath of Christ, and you have yet to relinquish faith in self. Right now in this moment, you are either trusting Christ or you are trusting self. You either have a performance-based view of salvation or you have a grace-based view of salvation. A performance-based view of salvation can never be assured that you've done enough to be saved. And some of you have grown up in faith traditions or grown up in other churches where you were told you've got to do better, you've got to stop sinning, you've got to try harder, and that's what you've absorbed in your understanding of how to be right with God. And as a result, you lay your head on the pillow at night And you are not absolutely certain that if you died in your sleep, you would be in heaven because you don't know if you've done enough. Here's the story of the gospel. You didn't. You can't do enough. 
It's only Christ that's done enough to secure salvation. That's what grace gives me the assurance of. It is an absolute confidence that Christ has done all that's required by God the Father to put me in right relationship with him. Are you trusting Christ? Or are you trusting your resume or Christ's resume? What you have done or what Christ has done? What we learn from the book of Ephesians is simply this. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. We've been talking about conjunctions, the divine conjunction, but God. There's a defining conjunction in here too. It's the word because here in verse four. Do you see it there? It says, but God being rich in mercy because, did you know because is a conjunction? Am I correct on that? Check me here, check me here. Because is a conjunction. It's the defining conjunction. Why does God show us grace? Why? He answers it. Because of the great love with which he loved us. It's because of God's love that he gives us a but God story. But did you know that there is a missing conjunction in this text? Notice, it doesn't say, but God being rich in mercy and all your great behavior. Notice, it doesn't say in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and baptism. Do you see that anywhere in there? The word and does not come after faith. It doesn't say through faith and good church attendance. Uh, faith and giving in the church offering at Christmas. It doesn't say faith and being in church. The conjunction and will send you to hell if you try to add anything to grace, faith, Christ, or God's glory. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are like, well, if I believe that, I would just go out and sin all I want. I mean, why would I ever come to church? You said I didn't have to. Why would I ever give him the offering? You said I didn't have to, to be saved. Oh, but wait. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. But the faith that saves is never alone. The faith that saves is never alone. Do you know what it's always accompanied by? Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, James chapter two says this, what good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can his faith save him? That's a rhetorical question. That means the answer should be obvious. Can his faith save him? Answer, no. So also, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Some of you say you have faith in Christ. Some of you say you're a follower of Christ. 
Do you know what proves whether your faith is alive or dead? Things like showing up in church, things like giving toward need and being generous, things like looking for places to display God's glory, things like forgiveness and reconciliation and going to hard places and taking the gospel and worshiping Christ and being breathtaking every time God convicts you of sin. Those are good works which only God can produce in someone that he has made alive. And that's why our final point is this. We can't be saved by good works, but God created us for good works. Here's what we've been saying. God has done all the work for me. Christ's death on the cross was a sufficient payment for the penalty that I owed for my sin. God has worked for me. But God also wants to work on me. How many of you guys out there like me, you have a workbench somewhere in your garage. You have a workbench. Anybody have a workbench? How many of you right now have a project on the workbench that is unfinished? And it's been there for a long time. The ladies are smiling. They know when you started this five years ago. And they're waiting for this thing to be. Do you know that God has a workbench? Guess who is on the workbench? You are. He started this project on the day you were saved. And once you were saved, you became his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, not only to be worked upon, but to be worked through. God works for me, God works on me, and God works through me. Do you have a but God story? The reality is for all of us, there was a time when we were dead. I, I attended a funeral this week of my stepfather and there was that moment you come to the graveside. There's a casket and you know that inside that casket there is no life. It's a lifeless shell of a body. I know that you've gone to funerals and how often do we sit there in the same room with a lifeless body and it does not dawn on us the breathtaking reality that spiritually speaking, outside of Christ, I am as lifeless as the person in the casket until my breath is taken away with the awfulness of my sin. My breath is taken away with the awesomeness of God's offer of grace to all who through faith will trust Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith. So you may wonder, what do I have to do? Here's what you have to do. You have to believe that you can do nothing. And you have to believe that Christ has done everything necessary to bring life and reconciliation between you and God. Two types of people in this room. Those who were dead 
those who are dead. For those of you that were dead, have you become so familiar with the story that you've stopped relying upon God's grace and started relying upon your own strength, your own effort, your own performance, your own works? Is it any wonder why you're so exhausted trying to live the Christian life? We have to trust the grace of God every day for everything. When God convicts me of sin, do you make promises to try harder and do better? Or do you run to Christ and plea for help? Can I just kind of talk to those of you that would, in all honesty, would have to say, I am dead. I've never been saved I don't have a but God story. You can have one if you will, by faith, stop trusting in your works, stop trusting in your goodness, stop trusting in your religious formulas, and simply trust Christ, his work on the cross, what he did for you. Do you know what he did on that cross? He made himself the object of God's wrath to divert God's wrath away from you so that you could simply be an object of God's grace. Like Desmond Doss, he rushed in to pull you out of enemy fire. Does that sound like a good offer to you? We've read here this morning that God's grace is a gift. Can you imagine as a child waking up on Christmas morning running down, seeing those presents that had your name on it and looking at the gift and saying, I'm not interested. While everybody else is tearing into the gifts and enjoying the gracious gift of loving parents. That's what it would be like for you today to turn and walk out of here without receiving the gift of God's grace that's already been bought and paid for and has your name on it. All you have to do is receive it by faith. Oh, these pieces broken and scattered in mercy gathered mended and whole empty handed but not forsaken See the
God's grace is something I never want to get over. Well, that's Hillsong Worship with the song Broken Vessels, taking a line from John chapter 9. Jesus gave a blind man his sight, and when the religious leaders came to investigate, the formerly blind man said, Whether he, that is Jesus, is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Think about that. The first face he saw was the face of Jesus. a message today from Trent Griffith based on Ephesians chapter 2. Trent is a senior pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. And if you'd like to visit Gospel City for a worship service, we'd love to have you. Here's what you need to do. Just visit our website, mygospelcity.org, and click where you see I'm new here. There, you can find answers to any questions that you have. Questions like, what is worship like at Gospel City? What should I wear? Is there a place for my kids? What about older students? Where should I park? What are the service times? Whatever your question is, why don't you show up and worship Jesus with us? Again, the website is mygospelcity.org and be sure to click I'm new here. 
Well, have you ever felt excluded or rejected? Next week, Pastor Trent will show us how our relationship with God actually breaks down the walls that divide us. I hope you'll join us for that. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and may the Word of God and the grace of God resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.